0: The Ten Commandments was the film that I saw for the first time in the cinema. I didn't understand what the story was about at that time. I guess that I, as a seven-year-old girl, was not really interested in the story. Instead, what made me excited was not what was happening on the screen, but the fact that I was sitting in the theater for the first time. It was more fun to see people around me when we were on the line than trying to follow the story. Noticing the dark room full of people with the music from the movie and all the different kinds of noises laughing, or gasping, or clapping, or whispering. For me, being aware of myself sitting in the middle of all these things was more exciting and fun. At that time, the film and the story of it was just like a background for me to enjoy something no one seems to be interested in noticing. So, I ended up remembering something that I don't have to, what the weather was like that day, and what we, we ate for the lunch, and what I was wearing, and what I saw on our way to the cinema, and so on, but not the film itself, and I felt bad. We've been told not to pay attention to what is going on in the background, or we think that nothing worth of noticing is going on in the background. In the same way, we are taught to think that background should be kept low key, because the real thing is what the main figure does. So, It is with what is happening to Hagar. In the story of Sarai and Abram, they are the main hero and heroine. And Hagar is supposed to be only extra in the film. She doesn't have to say anything, even when she became a wife of Abram, supposedly the main figure in that story. Nothing about Hagar is expected to draw any attention from us except whether she can carry out the major mission which is bearing a child for Sarai and Abram. Silence is the only thing that was expected from her, even when the major mission seems to be on the way. Sarai and Abram must have thought that things are going as they planned. Sarai must have shouted to herself like, yeah, Hagar is pregnant, so the boy will become my boy, and I can restore my status as a proper wife of Abram. But something unexpected happened to the background. Haga broke the silence silently by noticing her humanity. Here, we can imagine that Haga must have felt some kind of power of life within her body. The power of life at that point of Hagar's life must be the only source of freedom that might have inspired her to break the silence. Hagar, who is supposedly the extra in the film about Sarai and Abram, did something that is not supposed to be acted by the extra figure, Hagar. As Sarai's dream seems to be coming more true, she is feeling more threatened to get her position stolen by Hagar, the extra. This is a glitch on the part of Sarai, who is supposedly the only heroine, from the view of the patriarchal director. Sarai was too much taken by her own desire for success to realize who she is. Only the one who is responsible for one's own dignity as a person and as God's creature can be faithful to who the one is in front of God. Hagar became responsible for her own dignity as a person, as God's creature, and acted faithfully for who God wants her to be. Unlike Hagar's silence, Abraham's silence is not what we expect of him. If the silence of Hagar is supposed to be submissive, Abraham's silence carries political power over her. His silence abandons her, silently demanding either submission or death. We are almost tempted to believe her leaving the house of Sarai as the only option for Haga. She could have chosen security over uncertainty. We should not take her flight from the oppressive situation for granted. It is not difficult to imagine that she has to flee from the harsh reality. But it is also very easy to overlook the fact that she must have been fully aware of the impending power of death. Once she chose to flee the oppression, but at the same time, the only shelter providing her with her needs, especially for the unborn baby in her body she chose uncertainty for the sake of freedom instead of security at the expense of freedom. At least, she can make sure of her life with her baby as long as she remains silent under the rule of their household. Perhaps It is more than courage that she needs to do what she did. If we call Abraham's household darkness, we also call the wilderness death. How can she choose the apparent death while she can still choose a safe prison? It is the spirit of freedom given by the power of life that was born into the darkness. Many commentaries point out that Hagar is the only woman who named God in Genesis. She is the only woman who experienced God seeing her in the pain and sorrow and despair this is the only known instance in the ancient Near Eastern literature where the deity addresses a woman by name. While many men in the scripture were promised descendants, Hagar is the only woman in Genesis who is honored with such a revelation. But, the honor would have not been hers unless she had stood against the imposing power of darkness, the compelling attraction of the safe prison, even without having a guarantee to be successful. Now she is liberated. To be able to liberate others who are confining themselves in their own prison of illusion. The only way to do so is to go back to the place from where she got away for the liberty. It is now Haga's responsibility, as the liberated, to free the chosen people of God from their old concept of. God. We are also responsible to live out the spirit of freedom through our life, breathing and dancing into the darkness. Liberty is something that can be given only through striving for it. Freedom is not given freely even by god but we should be fair enough to acknowledge what had happened between the israelites and egyptians later on the chosen people of god has to suffer the humiliation of slavery under the hands of egyptians this is not just a historical account of the ancient Israel. We are living in the reality in which there is no clear line between who is the oppressor and who the oppressed because our role in the reality is at times dubious, perhaps we see part of ourselves in both Sarai and in Haga. We find ourselves behaving sometimes like Sarai, but also like Haga, at times in the harsh reality in which we are forced to be too competitive with each other for the sake of seemingly apparent Success. It is all too easy for us to lose who we are and who God is for us. We are instead tempted to let ourselves be defined by the power of darkness and by the spirit of hatred. We are so much tempted to be silently obedient to the dehumanizing reality, demanding that we turn our backs on each other. Sadly enough, we have to witness this abusive power, especially among the female colleagues, in the face of still male-dominant social, economical, and even academic environment. It is not a new thing to notice how the arguments of feminist theology are used against the inclusive spirit for which they so strongly believe they advocate for other sisters and eventually for the whole humanity. At the end, they end up supporting the patriarchal system against which they believe they are advocating. The seminary environment is no exception. The contrast between the class discussion for the life-giving talk and the way how we label each other is not even a striking new thing to be observed. It is even sadder to recognize that this kind of thing has been taken as a matter of course. We may not even notice how much we are being broken to each other only for the sake of our own success in the name of God. It is taken for granted to make sure self-interest of each nation within the web of the international relationship in the name of diplomacy and globalization. Our genuine freedom and human dignity are being sacrificed in the name of security. Wars are waged and even overlooked in the name of peacemaking. The spirit of democracy is being undermined in the name of profit-making for the sake of sustaining capitalism. The conflict between Sarai and Hagar is nothing but mirroring the inner conflicts within our mind in the face of reality that demands dehumanizing attitude toward our fellow sisters and brothers. This is a tension between our false distorted desire and our longing for the liberation at the expense of certainty. God is appearing as an angel only, when we are determined to face apparent uncertainty for the sake of freedom. Freedom without a danger of uncertainty is not freedom. We need the spirit of Hagar to see beyond the given frame of reality. We need a spirit of freedom. To be able to refuse to subscribe to the human made boundaries and frames as the only true and universal. This is the time for us to get out of the prison. This is made out of our, that is made out of our distorted pride as the only chosen people. Haga was already seeing her God outside of the frame that the ruling power of the society allowed her see. Hagar is a symbol of hope for all of us to find God who is not yet fully revealed, but is constantly revealing God's self in a new appearance, even a situation in which we can never expect it to see God at all. As long as we have a longing for the fresh air of a new reality, we can deserve to experience the spirit of freedom that is still to be revealed. There is neither main figure nor extra in the film that has God as a director. There is neither background nor foreground. God is seeing everyone, and everyone is seeing God. God breaks through the boundaries of our thoughts about the world and us and about God. There is no boundary. Between the chosen and the not chosen in God's love. God loves everyone.